Uh, hey, so I want to start out uh, this morning with a little bit of an encouragement and a little bit of a challenge uh, to you. So in 2023, we're going through the Bible from beginning to end, um, and we gave out these booklets. They're still available out there, uh, which help you to read the Bible from beginning to end um, and to kind of get some pieces of it and see how the whole thing fits together. Um, and I want to give you some encouragement this morning to read and dig into God's Word on your own through this relevant reading guide. Um, we talk about the vision of River Ridge Church fairly frequently, right? And I'm going to find out in a moment how frequently we talk about it. Uh, but so I want, I'm going to say a phrase, and I want you to finish this phrase, okay? So River Ridge exists to help people take... Excellent. Okay, so we're doing something right around here. So we exist to help you take next steps in your journey with God. And so no matter where you're coming from, there is a next step for you. If you are investigating faith, there's a next step for you. If you are new to following Jesus, there's a next step for you. If you're just starting to grow, there's a next step for you. If you've been following God for decades, there is a next step for you. We always want to provide that next step. And so when it comes to reading the Bible through in a year, one of the goals is that you, meaning you, all of you, all y'all, would take a next step in reading God's Word over this year. So I want to give you a couple of uh, encouragements, kind of random encouragements along those, uh, along those lines. First of all, if you have never read the Bible— like if you're still trying to figure out where books are in the Bible and you've never really sat down and read the Bible, my encouragement to you is to use this booklet and to read one chapter a day. We've given you the chapters. Just start with today's date or tomorrow's date. We've given you that. Read one chapter a day to read the Bible on your own. Now, here's the second encouragement. Is make it your goal, right? And so these are kind of different for different people where you're at, but make it your goal to do it daily, Okay. Take five minutes, read a chapter a day, opposed to kind of cramming and getting it all in before a particular day, before the following Sunday. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm going to give you an analogy here. Let's say that you're—yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> um, but let's say, that, let's say that your goal is, in 2023, is I want to be clean, right? I want to smell less, right? And you can look at the person next to you and decide whether that needs to be their goal or not, right? So I, w I just want to smell less. And so you say, you know what? I think a good way to smell less is I'm going to take a shower every day, like a five-minute shower every day. That would probably help you smell less. But then as life goes on and moves from January into February into March, you're like, you know, I just don't have enough time. It's hard to squeeze in the five-minute shower. So instead, I'll just cram once a week, and I'll take a shower for like 20 minutes or so, or 25 minutes, right? Well, come, you know, in that, in that pattern, come day, you know, four, five, or six, you're going to start to smell a little bit, right? So there's sort of an analogy in there that may step on some toes about reading God's Word. But the idea is that every day we make a connection with God, that every day God fills us up with who he is and his spirit and his, just his presence with us as we live that way. So here's a third encouragement. I know that for some of you, reading and concentrating 
is just difficult. Like you start to read and then you're thinking about squirrels. And then you start to read and you think about what's for dinner. And you start to read and you're, I mean, I recognize that, that that's hard. And so for some of you, listening or auditory learning is a better option for you, right? And if that's you, then structure this plan in that way. There's a, um, we'll put a, um, a slide up here. There's something called version, right? And uh, version is a Bible app. You can download it. And basically, you just open up to the, to the chapter, uh, to the verse. Do we have a slide of that, I think? Um, so we've got a version. There we go. Um, so we've got, uh, but you just download that app, open up to whatever it is, and then you can um, just push play, and it will read it for you. Okay? Um, fourth encouragement. This is going to be like the introduction of encouragements. Um, try the SOAP method. It's in the beginning of this. Uh, it will help you to scripture observation, application, and prayer. It will help you to dig in to God's word so that you can meditate on God's word. Um, here's the fifth encouragement. If the SOAP method, scripture observation, application, um, prayer, is too much, then just do S. Then just whenever you read the chapter or listen to the chapter, underline one verse or write out one verse. That will make you interact with the text and just, okay, this is the verse that stood out to me. Underline it, write it out, highlight it. Um, And then the last encouragement is this. Um, If for you reading the Bible is already kind of a part of what you're doing and a practice of what you're doing, uh, I would challenge you to take another step. Maybe memorize a verse a week from what you have read or read all the chapters in between the chapters that we've assigned to you to read. Uh, But take that next step, find a next step if you want to challenge yourself a little bit more, okay? So River Ridge exists to help people what? Take their next steps, all right? Find your next step. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thanks for this time this morning. Um, God, as we look into your word, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, I pray that it would come alive um, and that we would learn the things that you want us to learn and to leave here uh, knowing who we are and knowing who we are in relationship to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32 this morning, uh, and it's the story of Jacob, okay? Genesis chapter 32, if you want to turn there in your Bible, if you want to open up your Bible app to that on your phone, you can do that, Genesis 32. We're going to get there in a minute, but I want to start in a different place, okay? And here's where I want to start. I want to start with the idea of brokenness, okay? Okay? And I'm kind of getting real serious real quick. Uh, But here's the thing is, as I look around River Ridge Church, as I look in the mirror, I realize that we have a lot of broken people at River Ridge. And when when I say that, I say that in, in, in a good way, right? We don't have people who are pretending to be good, but they're broken in the inside. We have people that go, this is who I am. I am a broken person right? And we're broken from a lot of different angles and places. You know, we're broken because of our past and and things that we did or things that happened to us in our past, right? We're broken because of our sin. We strive to do what God wants us to do, but we fall short, and that makes us broken people. We're broken in terms of our relationships, right? That sometimes people have offended us and hurt us, and that relationship is broken, And other times it's been us who have, by our actions, have broken relationships. 
And also the reality is that sometimes that we have broken relationships with other people because of our inaction. It isn't what we did, but it's because we did nothing. We're broken because we've held grudges. We're broken because we're selfish. We're broken because we have lusted. We're broken because we've been greedy. We're broken because we've placed our will ahead of God's. We're broken because we've replaced what God says is right and wrong with what we believe to be right and wrong. And on and on the list goes of our brokenness, right? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yay, I'm broken. We've been going through the book of Genesis. And Genesis chapter 12, chapters 12 through 50, they follow four people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph, right? And all four of those people are broken individuals who are used by God. They are broken individuals. Abraham, he pawned off his wife as his sister to save his own skin, not once, but twice. Isaac, his son, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Isaac did the same thing. He pawned off his wife as his sister to save his own skin. Uh, There's a guy named Judah who appears in here um, who is in direct lineage of Jesus. Uh, And he slept with a prostitute who turned out to be his daughter-in-law. Like there's some messed up broken people in there. We're going to talk about Jacob today. Next week, we're going to talk about Joseph. And although he's mostly hero, he also has some brokenness to him. But today we're going to talk about Jacob, who is a broken hero. And here, I want to give you the bottom line up front, and then we're going to talk through this as we talk about Jacob and kind of his before and during and after. Here's the bottom line, is God uses broken heroes. God uses broken heroes. The Bible, and especially this part, Genesis 12 to 50, is full of these broken heroes that God uses in amazing ways. And what I want to see is this, is God uses broken heroes, even me, even you. That God can use you, though you are broken, that God will use you if you open himself up to that. Because I don't want us to feel like, man, I'm so broken, I've done this, my life and then my past is this, and so I can't move forward with what God wants me to do. God uses broken heroes. So we're gonna start with Jacob. Um, And I'm going to tell you a little bit about his life and kind of his brokenness, uh, and then we're going to look at the turning point in his life. That's kind of where we're going. And I'm just going to talk through kind of his past and his brokenness. So Jacob was a twin, and just out of curiosity, how many of you are twins? Any twins in here? Okay, didn't know that. Okay, I knew you were a twin. Oh my gosh. Dang, there's a great story. So this this is Todd. Hey, hey everybody, this is Todd. Anyway. (laughs) I don't care if we go over, it's on me. So Todd, I'm going to mess the story up, but Todd is standing at at Chestnut Ridge Church with his wife. I'm not telling the story. Anyway, it was a case of, his his twin looks just like him, like exactly like him. And one, Todd came one week with his wife, and then Chad, his his, came the next week with his wife, and somebody saw the same person cheating on the different wife. It was that, that, that's some stuff. Gosh. All right, close enough, yeah. Like what my dad says, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Okay. It's going to be a long sermon. We're on page four. Okay. Um, out of 25. So here's so Jacob uh, comes out as the second twin. So he's the second born, and he comes out grabbing his brother Esau's heel, 
right? And so he's given the name of deceiver or heel grabber. And he's always kind of trying to get ahead of his brother. And so there are two significant events in his life where that happens. Um, there's one time where his brother Esau, his older brother, uh, has come back and he's starving. And he's like, I am starving to death. If I don't eat, I am going to die. And so Jacob has this stew. And so Jacob says to Esau, well, I'll tell you what, if you give me your birthright, then I will give you this stew, right? And Jacob could have just said, you're hungry, here's some stew, but he uses it to deceive him, right? And he says, okay, tell you what, I'll give you the stew and you give me your birthright. And Esau is so hungry, he's like, I guess I'll give you my birthright and then I can have some of the stew. So he takes his birthright. Number of years down the road, their father, uh, Isaac, is ready to give the blessing to the next child. And that would traditionally go to the oldest child, to Esau. And so he says to Esau, go into the, go hunt some wild game for me, come back, cook it up, and then I will give you a blessing. So Esau does that, right? But Jacob sneaks in. He goes out to the backyard. He finds a lamb. He kills it. He makes a stew. He puts hair on his arms because his older brother Esau is very hairy. He makes him smell, himself smell like wild game by rubbing stuff on him. And then he goes in and he tricks his father by giving him this stew, this food. His, he fills his arms. He tricks his father into giving him the blessing instead of his older brother Esau. So Esau comes back, and he's pretty ticked off, as you would imagine. And so their mom finds out that Esau's ticked off, which you would kind of expect. And so Jacob takes off. He takes off for a place called Haran, right? And there he meets a man named Laban, or Laban, depending on how you pronounce that. Uh, he really wants to marry uh, Laban's beautiful daughter. Uh, he tries to marry her, but Laban kind of does this little trickery, and he marries the other daughter. Uh, and so in order to have both of these wives, he has to work for 14 years of labor to Laban or Laban to, to do that. Uh, and then he works another six years after that. So he's in uh, Laban's service for 20 years. And while he's there, he amasses this great wealth, right? Amasses this great wealth. Okay, so Cliff Notes version, I realize that's a lot, and there's a lot of people and names and what's going on. Here's the Cliff Notes version, ready? Jacob is a jerk, he left, and now he's rich. Got it? I could have said that in 30 seconds, and we'd be right here, but instead we talked about twins and stuff. So, Jacob's a jerk, he went away, and now he's wealthy. Genesis 31.3. Then, Jacob said, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So two incredibly important things happen in this verse. First of all, is he says, it's time to go home. It's time to go home to the land of your fathers and to the land that you will eventually inherit. And then he also says, I will be with you. So God says, you're leaving here, you're leaving Haran, but you're going home, and I will be with you through that. At this point, Jacob is mostly a changed man. Now, he's not going to be completely false, but the jerk that he was, he's much less of a jerk. We'll put it that way, right? And part of that is because he has, while he was the causer of the trickery, now he's been the victim of the trickery. And that kind of changes his heart a little bit. And so he's prepared to go home, uh, but he also knows that Esau is there, and Esau very well may still be holding a grudge for all the stuff they did to him 20 years ago. So he sends messengers out, tells Esau he's returning, but as they go, 
he finds out that Esau is coming towards him with 400 men, right? So that would be a small battalion of soldiers. And so he's pretty concerned that he's going to be attacked and killed. And so what he does is he takes all this wealth. And so he's got wives and kids and livestock. And he's just, I mean, he's amassed all this great wealth. He divides it into two different camps and he sends one one way and one the other way, figuring if Esau is upset, he'll only be able to conquer and destroy one of his camps and he'll have the other camp intact. Now, from here to the end of this chapter, what we're going to see is six characteristics of a broken hero. So absolutely, Jacob is broken by the decisions he's made, but we're also going to see that he's a hero as his life goes on. So we're going to see these six characteristics. Verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Jacob recognizes that 20 years before that, he left. All he had was a staff. He crossed the river. He went out. That's all he had. That was his only possession was a staff. And now he's coming back across that same river, and he has massive, massive wealth that he's acquired and grown up over these last 20 years. But he acknowledges that it comes from God. So the first characteristic of a broken hero is broken heroes give credit to God. Give credit to God. If you are a broken hero, and I think all of us are broken, a big part of that is saying, God has given me. It's a humility before God. Instead of, I earned this, I did this, my talents, my strength, my work ethic, my... It's saying, this all comes from the hand of God. And he says this in verse 11, Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Here's the second characteristic of broken heroes. Broken heroes pray, right? And I suppose that should be fairly obvious, the broken heroes pray. But what's interesting about the prayer is what he prays. He says, deliver me from the hand of my brother Esau. Now, he really has screwed over Esau a bunch in the past. And me as an outsider looking in, and me certainly not being God, I would say, you know what, Jacob, whatever Esau dishes out to you, you deserve because you are a no good deceiver, trickery person, and you deserve whatever is coming to you. But he prays. He says, would you deliver me from the hand of Esau? And that's what God does. And what's interesting about that prayer and where I want us to see is to imitate that prayer is it's really, it's a prayer of mercy, right? It's a prayer of mercy. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting a punishment or a consequence that we do deserve, right? And so we praise this prayer of mercy. God, would you not let me suffer the consequences of what I deserve? So Jacob sends ahead of himself um, a series of presents and gifts and kind of these waves uh, of animals. And in total, he sends 550 animals to, of, of livestock to Esau as kind of a peace offering. He sends them in waves, all kinds of different animals. And then it comes to this in verse 22. It says, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. 
So Jacob gets real close to where he's supposed to go. He sends his family across the stream. He makes their, theirs okay, that they're okay. And then what's going to happen is he's going to have, I'm going to give you a preview of the next few verses. He's going to have a wrestling match with God. Uh, and it's really kind of a strange story, and weird stuff happens in this. And actually, earlier this week, I was telling Stacy, I was like, hey, I'm talking about Jacob wrestling with God, and I'm having trouble with it, struggling. And she's like, well, why'd you pick that one? I'm like, I don't know. Um, so it's weird, and it's strange, and looking at it from different perspective, you got to try and figure it out. Um, but we're going to take some principles about how to be a broken hero from it. So it says this, and Jacob was left alone and wrestled with a man, excuse me, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Okay? So here's the third characteristic of a broken hero, is that broken heroes wrestle. Okay? They wrestle in relationships, they wrestle with God, they wrestle over truth, but broken heroes wrestle, Right? Wrestling with God, and this, depending where you're coming from and kind of your church background, this may sound very odd to you, but wrestling with God is not a bad thing. Wrestling with God is a good thing. Because when we wrestle with something, we take ownership of it. I'll give you an example from my own life. When I came on uh, staff with Young Life uh, just after college, I went through a two year training program. And in the second year of this training program, we had to memorize a couple of verses, uh, basically about a verse a week. But we arrived at the first training session, and the guy who's training us is a guy named Rob Crocker, and, and Rob says, We're gonna, you're going to memorize verses this year. And I didn't want to memorize Bible verses. And so I wrestled with Rob. I said, I don't want to do this. Like, people just memorize them, and they're totally out of context, and it doesn't make a difference. You need to memorize it today, and you, you repeat it to somebody, and you forget it the next day, and it never—it just doesn't make a difference. It's, a, it's worthless. It doesn't help me, and I never remember it, and so I don't want to do it, and I, and I was wrestling with him. And everybody else in the class, and there was like maybe 12 or 15 people in my training group, uh, the other people were all on Rob's side. And just real quick, they're like, you have to do it. Like, you should memorize scripture. It's a good thing. Just do it. Quit complaining. Everybody does it. You should do it, right? And they just kind of went along with it. And so I was wrestling with Rob over this, but I was also in the training program, and so I decided I needed to do what he said. Uh, but I also wrestled in the sense I did it a little bit differently. Instead of just memorizing the verses, I would spend about three or four days on the verse and the context, and I would write it out and memorize it that way and, and really understand the whole of what it was talking about, right? So every week we come back to training, and we memorize, or every other week we come back and we recite the verses. And sometimes we had to do the verse of that week. Sometimes we had to go back a couple weeks just to kind of keep us sharp. At the end of this whole thing, right, at the end of the year, of the year of training, there was only one person who had memorized all the verses, and it was me, right? And I think, it's not because I'm more spiritually, it's certainly not because I'm a good memorizer, because I'm terrible at that, but it was because I wrestled with it, and I owned it, and I said, I'm going to work with this and figure this out until it makes sense for me, whereas everybody else was just like, yep, it's a good thing, and, and on they went, and they didn't wrestle with it. Broken heroes wrestle, and I think sometimes when we are at odds with God, I think sometimes we too quickly go, well, God's in control. God says it. I believe it. And on we go. And we don't wrestle with it, 
right? Now, there comes a point where we go, I wrestled with it, I don't understand, and I'm moving on the way you want me to move on, God. But I think sometimes we're too quick to just go, I'm, just go forward, right? And the other happens is we just back out and go, if God does this, then, then I'm out, right? But I think there's a value in wrestling with God. But ultimately, we submit to him. Verse 26, then he said, so that's Jacob, then he said, let, or I'm sorry, it's, it's God. He says, then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He has to give God, this is an incarnate version of God, he has to give God his name. Now, we've talked about this sometimes. Whenever God asks a question, he already knows the answer. So why is he asking the question? So God asks the question, he says, what is your name? And Jacob has to say, Jacob. If you remember from a few minutes ago, we said, what does Jacob mean? It means deceiver, tricker, right? And so, am I over time? Not yet. So he says, uh, he says, he has to say his name. What's your name? He goes, I'm the deceiver. He has to admit to that. He has to say that out loud. Broken heroes acknowledge the sin of the past. Broken heroes acknowledge the sin of the past. You know, when we acknowledge the sin of the past, it's doing a couple of things. First of all, it's saying sin is sin. Right? So to be a broken hero, we have to look backwards and say that was sin. We admit, we agree with God that sin was sin. But we also agree that it's in the past. It's not who I am, it's who I was. And we look and we see God has forgiven those sins of the past. But part of it is acknowledging that that is there and, and agreeing with God that sin is sin. When we acknowledge sin, part of that is making amends, right? And, and as you see what Jacob does here, he says, I'm the deceiver, I'm Jacob. And then he also, he sends things to his brother Esau. And part of that is making amends for what he's done wrong. On Monday nights here, Celebrate Recovery meets. And Celebrate Recovery goes through the 12 steps. And number eight is exactly what Jacob did. Number eight in the 12 steps is, we made a list of all persons we had harmed, now top of the list, big letters, Esau, and became willing to make amends with them all. And he makes amends for his past. That's part of being a broken hero. Then he continues on. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. There's a name change that goes on in this case, and he's now called Israel. We see this with some frequency in the Bible. When somebody's name changes, it's significant. It's like the old is gone, the new has come, okay? And so here's the point that I want us to understand is broken heroes live their new identity, right? He is no longer Jacob, although they'll sometimes call him that uh, as the Bible goes on and narrates his life. But he is now Israel. He has this new identity. When you become a Christian, you have a new identity. You don't live in your brokenness of sin. It's there. It affects who you are. But you live your new identity. 
that you are a child of God, that you are righteous, that you are a saint, that you are forgiven, that you are complete in Christ, that you are unconditionally loved. All of that is true of you. That is your new identity, and that's what we live. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him, and as he passed Penuel, limping because of his limb, because of his hip. So for the rest of Jacob's life, he walked with a limp because he was touched wrestling with God as he dislocated his, his, um, his hip tendon there. And, and I can imagine just as he limps through life, he has this physical limp. It was a constant reminder of God's goodness and God's blessing to him. A constant reminder of his goodness. And I can imagine, and, I, and this is, I'm making this part up, but I can imagine there were times when his kids and his grandkids came to him and they're like, Israel, Israel, tell us the story about why you walk with the limp. Oh, tell us the story again. You know, they bring their friends, tell them why. And he shares the story about wrestling with God and about his broken past and about the great future that God has for him, even though he has this broken past. The last point is this, is that heroes walk with a limp. Heroes walk with a limp. There are things in your life that have caused you to walk with a limp. And I think our first, um, our first inclination is to try and hide our limp, right? To try and hide our past, to try and hide our flaws, to try and hide our brokenness. But when we walk with a limp, other people see that limp, right? And, and I think a lot of times God allows us to go through difficulties and challenges and the junk of life, and we go through it with him because somebody else is going to go through that same thing. And God allows us to go through those challenges and those difficulties because we can then help somebody else go through that. And odd to say, but when we walk with a limp, when we let people see a window into our brokenness, it allows them to approach us and say, how did you deal with that? And we can come alongside people who are going through similar struggles that we are. All of us are broken people, right? All of us are broken people. And so the question is not, am I broken or am I not broken? The question is, what am I going to do with my brokenness? Am I going to admit that I'm a broken person and that I need God and that I want to be a broken hero for God? Or am I just going to allow myself to be broken and to wallow in that and go, well, I guess I'm broken. God can't use me. I'm good for nothing. Because God is calling you to so much in your life. And don't let the brokenness of your past or the brokenness of your life be an obstacle to keep you from doing what God is calling you to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning kind of on behalf of a room full of broken people that we admit our brokenness from our past, from our sins, 
in our relationships. God, we have not done things right. But yet in that, you can still use us to be heroes of faith, to be people who do what you call us to do. And so God, I pray that you would give us the courage to answer the call of what you're calling each of us individually to do, to step up and say, I will do what God asks and not to let the brokenness and not to let the limps in our lives hold us back from what you have for us. God, I thank you for the story and life and wrestling of Jacob who became Israel and what a model that is to us. In Jesus' name, amen.